0: lunch is brought to you by two for one pizza.com try two for one pizza's new goat pizza with goat cheese and mozzarella crispy bacon strips red onion finished with their delicious balsamic glaze visit two for one pizza.com
1: did i see that beaver canceled his tour
0: no did he really i
1: thought i got a push from tmz yesterday a little twitter push saying that he canceled his tour like shortly after we were talking about it on his birthday so upsetting
0: yeah, that is sad. I didn't realize that that happened I in just, the midst of all this drama. Going, yeah,
1: just going through a lot. I, think, like, I like have, mental health I think were the was the reason. Like he's just going through a lot and Yeah. Tough. It's unfortunate. His wife is
0: getting dragged on the internet. He hasn't I stepped know, in at all.
1: Oh, I what? know. It's weird. We it's at Leafs weird. Lunch are
0: Team Jelina. We'd like to get that out of the air. Leafs Flames tonight on TSN 4 and TSN 1050. We're going to have Mark Masters on in the next couple minutes. He's out in Calgary. Leafs on the second half of back to back. They laid a bit of an egg last night versus the Edmonton Oilers in what was a disappointing showing, but they'll have a chance to right the ship tonight. Joseph Wall expected to get the starts. Um, I saw it'll be Markstrom for the Flames. We're going to have Julian McKenzie on in. About 15, 20 or so to tee that all up because uh, things in Calgary very interesting as well right now. Daryl Sutter every day. Daryl Sutter is a headline. His his news conferences are a headline. Yesterday must watch
1: always. I know.
0: Yesterday he tried to take a different angle though. Like he went with the positive. I think we can win twenty one in a row here. Uh, <laughs> and like the difference between you and I is like I, I'm cheering for the Flames. I'm like okay, Daryl, you're going cheerleader mode now. A little bit <laughs> of a one eighty happening in Calgary.
1: Yeah, you know what, though? Like, I've I've watched a couple of their games recently. I watched that Boston game, um, which is probably like it's. I've watched, I would say, two thirds of that game, and they were really good. Like, the thing about about Calgary is that's a playoff team. They just can't get a save from Markstrom, cannot get a save from that guy. And Sutter was honest about
0: that, and he's going to start tonight. Uh, He just had a baby a couple days ago. I don't know if he's going to get that dad bump
1: like that Fred Van Vliet dad bump. Yeah, who else Freddie that Jr. was born and it changed. It
0: was Freddie Jr. That Freddie was the Jr. famous one.
1: Freddie Jr. led the, literally, honestly, Freddie Jr. does not get enough respect for bringing the championship to Toronto.
0: Chips with the dip. That like, was such a great time. Ugh. I forget all the great memories and of that championship. Could have of that championship.
1: Could have another one.
0: The fake Kawhi with his plant walking around downtown.
1: With the plant, with the plant. That was, was an electric to time him. to yeah.
0: be uh, a resident of Toronto. And it it's so weird that parade. it was right before the pandemic. I know, but we can't start planting the roots.
1: No, yet. I mean, the Jays, the Jays are a really good team. Oh, the Maple <laughs> Leafs. Oh, yeah, them too, them too. Yeah. I mean, both teams are actually going to be solid. Like I know. The, the Toronto sports scene right now, Like you, it's, it's going to be an electric spring. Like I'm I'm jacked up about the Blue Jays. Obviously, the the Maple Leafs made all these massive trades, and there's a lot of excitement right now. Like one other thing that these trades have done, I find, is it's really reinvigorated that fan base. Like I I remember, who was was it Hayes who talked about that? Like putting a jolt in the fan base and and trying to bring bring the care and the passion back to the fans by making a move. Like you got to do something to bring it back because so many Fairweather fans have said, "Yeah, wake me up in April." Well, now people are back on board because they want to see what these this new group's all about. And unfortunately, they had a stinker last night. But they got a chance tonight against a pretty good Calgary squad. Nazem Kadri will be there. You know, we can see what they yeah, can do Yeah, someone against texted Qadri. us
0: actually and said, remember back in the day when the Leafs would play the Oilers and it would be Nazem on on 97 Honor. all night? Yeah. I was missing that a little bit last was night for sure. That a
1: little for sure. But I think tonight, tonight's going uh, to be a, a good one. Yeah.
0: So. Did you see the Luke Shen number update? Good guy move from so uh, happy from McCabe
1: so happy like so Luke Shen is going to be number two. Originally there was report he was going to be twenty two, I believe. And then uh, yesterday, I guess he texted Luke Shen, or Luke Shen texted Jake McCabe and said, "Hey, you, you married to that number?" He's like, "No, they just gave it to me, so you could take it if you want and have your number back." And he's pretty stoked about it. I, I hope somebody asks them. You know, did he get a bottle of wine or anything for it? And See if uh, see if it cost him anything <laughs> to get that number back.
0: Yeah, it seems like he he seems like a cool guy, Jake McCabe. He seemed cool, but no, I'm not married to it. And it's yeah. really special the Luke Shen thing. Like we haven't had a moment to really appreciate it. He started it here. He was a young guy. He was probably asked to play too big of a role when he came into Toronto. And he yeah. faced some heat as a result of that. Like it's nice that he's going to get to put a little bit of a storybook on on. Not that his career is over or anything, but it's just a nice way to come full circle. Um, have we heard for certain, and I guess we'll find out in a moment when we get Mark on, have we heard for certain if he's going to play tonight, him and, him and no. Gustafson? No.
1: So, from what I'm reading out of uh, practice, and, and the guy in line could probably update us a lot more because he's there, um, Mark Masters, our TSN Leafs reporter. What's going on, Marky? Mark, how the last couple of days been for you?
2: Yeah, it's been uh, lots going on, that's for sure. just got to the airport here in Edmonton and flying out to Calgary uh, shortly, and then later tonight flying to Vancouver. So one of those three city days.
1: Do you know what the situation is with uh, with any of these new guys, Luke Shen, Eric Gustafson? Chance that we see them tonight on night two, back-to-back?
2: I don't know the plan that they have in terms of the lineup tonight. Uh, Shen was with the team last night. I saw him outside the dressing room. Uh, Gustafson, of course, was supposed to meet them today in Calgary. I assume that happened. Uh, Sheldon keeps going to talk to the media around 6.30 Eastern. Uh, maybe a little bit later than that. Um, and we'll see we'll, where we're at with, uh, that Timothy Logren It appeared to get uh, a little banged up at the end of that game against Edmonton. He did come back, but we know they were pretty careful with Rasmus Sandin recently when he had a relatively minor injury and they kept him out for three games. So be intriguing to see, uh, coming off a pretty brutal performance last night. If they look to shake things up on the back end, they got nine defensemen in the mix now. Can't forget about our old friend Connor Timmins. So. Um wouldn 't be a shock to see some some new faces in maybe tonight, but you can also understand if they want to give them maybe you know a practice or something like that or at least a chance to get to know the systems and everything a little bit before they they get them in so we'll see we'll see
0: right okay you mentioned our our old buddy Rasmus Sandine, who we saw go mm-hmm. out the door on Tuesday. Can you just before we get into last night 's game up hey, tonights yeah, I Not know we can 't forget about. AB's favorite Pierre Engvall, can you just walk us through what that room has been like over the past 48 uh, hours or so and and the roller coaster of emotions and how everyone's been dealing with kind of the change-up of personnel?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just got that, uh, there's an energy and also an uneasiness. Uh, Let's call it an uneasy energy (laughs) this week around the team. Obviously, that uh, Tuesday practice in Seattle was pretty crazy. Uh, with a trade breaking or really two trades breaking pretty much um during practice uh, and the players leaving and hugging and like you just don't see that that often I can't You broke it. Technically, it. you
1: broke it with your video. Yeah. about that yeah. something was going on with Rasmus Sandine.
2: Yeah, because you could tell that he was walking off with a member of the media relations staff that that pretty much never happens. Um medical staff sure, equipment maybe, but PR staff is that was a red big giant waving red flag that uh he was going and when you you know when you get to the practice and you see Kyle Dubas just glued to his phone and pacing and that Sandin has dropped to the fourth pair and we knew he he was concerned about his role coming into the season so you could kind of put two and two together there but still um probably jarring to the players on the ice and Sheldon Keith said they were able to get through most of practice and what they wanted to accomplish without being distracted too much by that but yeah that was uh uh, that was something. And then, you know, Dubas, I don't think I, I mean, he was, we could, we had eyes on him pretty much the entire, most of the practice. And he was, every time I saw him, he was on his phone. And then at the end of that practice, uh, they didn't leave the building that quickly, as quickly as they usually would after a practice. I saw a lot of players just sitting on their phones and, uh, you know, just, it just seemed like maybe there was another shooter drop. That was kind of the sense that was there even more in the, in, in, in the mix. And that's why, kind of, you think that maybe there's something more still to come for the Leafs before the deadline was. Was just that that sense uh, at the end of that practice, and then they eventually got on the buses that got to Edmonton, and, and did not have the greatest game last night.
1: No, last night was was wasn't a stinker. What to you though about last night was kind of most unsettling?
2: Uh you know, I mean, I guess teams are going to have games like that, and we've seen the Leafs bounce back really well. It's just coming off the trade what they were all saying, you know, about how they want to back up Dubas. That's what Costa Matthews said on Tuesday in Seattle that, you know, they're, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, you know, we're all in. Um, William Nylander says, you know, you know, Dubas has been busy and not taking days off. And we know that it's all about the playoffs And, and it's not the playoffs yet, but you're still building towards that. And that was a marquee game a team you hadn't seen yet. The last team they had yet to play in the Oilers, obviously McDavid, um, that's a marquee matchup, an uh, all-Canadian matchup. And you just, I don't know, the Oilers certainly treated it like a, a huge game. And you just expected the Leafs to be energized by all the moves and everything. And even for guys who are on the fringes of the roster who might get traded, right? Like, we finally, you know, we saw two regulars leave in Sandin and Angball And, you know, there's got to be other guys on the lineup who are thinking, geez, I might not be safe here if there's going to be another move, if they want to continue to shake things up. So you just expected a team... To be energized by the, the by the trades, to be energized by the matchup, they they had the Springsteen concert Monday, a full practice Tuesday, um, and it just didn't come together. So you're you know that is all disappointing. That's why Sheldon Keith was so upset last night, understandably so, um, but that's not who they are. That's not who they've shown to themselves to be throughout the course of the season, and they bounced back well. But this will be tricky. Calgary's pretty desperate. Uh, Joseph Wall in that um, second half of a back to back, so we'll see what they got tonight.
1: Did that raise alarm bells for you at all? When when yesterday you know he found out that Wall was going to be starting over Matt Murray. Like I, when I saw you tweet that out, my ears kind of perked up, and I thought to myself, "What does that mean about Matt Murray?"
2: Yeah, I don't know what to make of Matt Murray uh, because he's had a couple of practices now, right? Uh, and now what? Today's a scheduled day off. Like, what's going on here? I, I don't know. I mean, Murray tends to be on his own program, right? Like in terms of like morning skates, he doesn't do morning skates, like. Sometimes and you just trust that that he, he's going to know his own body. But yeah, he hasn't played since January seventeenth. Um, and there's yeah, until he gets in the net and looks okay, there's going to be that question hanging over this team. But apparently not ready. Um, so you go to Wall and you you know I guess there's no reason to rush, but you just wonder right? Like he said he was feeling good, and he looked good. He looked fine in, in practice from what I could see. So you're kind of wondering like what's the holdup? But you know, you got to trust, I guess, the medical staff and trust him and he knows his body. But yeah, that certainly does get your antenna up when that would have been his last chance before the deadline to show, hey, I'm OK. But um, obviously not ready to go. And we'll see what Joseph Wall can do in his uh, seventh career start.
0: Yeah. So when you say there's this sense of uneasiness, like there could be something else coming from Kyle Dubis, do you think that Moo could potentially involve some, some security when it comes to the goaltending position?
2: I don't know. I mean, Dubas, every time we've talked to him, has downplayed that. You know, he knows. He's also he, lies straight
1: know. to your face about everything That's that he's true.
2: done so far. I'm not trading a first round pick for rental. Yeah. He trades a first yeah. round pick. Immediately and he, does that. Well, yeah.
1: then, after on Monday, he's like, "Oh, an old friend told me time is on my side, so we'll probably wait to make a trade." Makes three trades 24 hours later. Like <laughs> the
2: guy has right. been
1: very, uh, very much a now, liar he, the last little bit.
2: He he has been open about whether he's done. Right? He's been always asked, "Are you done?" And he's always like, "Oh." Ah! We'll look to improve if we can. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, if the trade's there to be made and you're going to make it, you know, you got to make it because uh, the other team might move on, right? Like, yeah. you know, Washington or the New York Islanders might look for other players if, if they don't uh, get Sandine and Engvall right away there. So, you can understand, like, when it's done, it's done, and you're moving on. And sure felt like Sandine's time had kind of come to an end just with how everything was playing out. But, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess it wouldn't surprise me. Like, uh, I'm sitting here, I'm not, like, certainly doesn't feel as good when Samsonov's coming off a performance uh, where he did not look particularly sharp. And, of course, on, what was it, Sunday night in Seattle, he looked a little banged up at the end of that game. He said it was Mm -hmm. nothing crazy, but based on how he played last night, I wonder if something was bugging him. And you just go, injuries come up. And, again, Wall is pretty green. And Shalgren did actually get into a playoff game last year, but that was in mop-up time. He looked fine. But needless to say you're not feeling good, and I don't think many teams are feeling good when you get down to a third goalie option, the difference is a lot of teams feel like they're, you know, fairly comfortable in having two healthy guys, right? and you just don't have that sense with the Leafs. The other thing is just the forward group, right? We saw them go to Ryan O'Reilly as third-line center uh, in the third period last night, first time we have got that look, and what does it mean? It means Yarncroak's back in the top six. Are you comfortable with that alignment in a playoff series against Tampa? So um or for a long run really it's like if, if you believe O'Reilly's your third line center in the best formation are you comfortable with either Yarncroke or Kerfoot in your top six because that's really where they're at right now even with Matthew Nye still hanging out there they they've made it pretty clear they don't want to put too much on his plate or put pressure or think or just assume he's going to come in and be amazing out of college because they know how difficult that is and how r- rare it is for guys to make an immediate impact so lots of things for Kyle Dubas to. Uh, to consider as we get hours now away from from the deadline here.
0: Yeah, yeah, on the edge of our seats. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw Jake McCabe make his debut last night. It wasn't a great night for the Leafs blue line in general. But what did you make of his uh... his first game as a Leaf?
2: Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's not funny, but yeah, I feel bad. Like immediately <laughs> he takes a penalty and puts like and, uh, the Oilers. You know, it's yeah. Sheldon I he referred to it as like the greatest power play in the history of hockey, basically. Is like so. I, I imagine going into the game like they were stressing discipline. Like we cannot put this this Oilers team on the power play. And immediately McCabe's, like first notable play is to take a penalty. The Oilers score, of course. And he felt that you know he mentioned that he's like that's a tough start. He was nervous, and he said that you know I was nervous. He got more comfortable as he got going. But that's a you know it's a tough matchup, right? He's going to see a lot of McDavid playing with Brody. He's going to see a lot of McDavid uh, in that in that game. Uh, and McDavid, like, fought, like, it is funny, you know, we're talking about Austin Matthews' three multi-goal games this season. Like, he had a multi-goal game two- Sunday, and then I was looking at McDavid's stats, and I'm like, holy smokes, five
3: straight Five straight multi it's what insane. The- <laughs> yeah.
2: This an alien, you know, and Matthew said he's, a, he's obviously a freak, and yeah, that's freakish behavior. Five straight multi-goal games, amazing. Um, but yeah, so tough, that's a tough spot to make a, to make a debut. Uh, but, you know, and it's hard to read into anything about that game because the team as a whole played so poorly, but, Keith said it, you know, it wasn't the new guys, you know, the new guys were okay, they were fine, it was the guys that they count on to be their difference makers on a night-to-night basis who did not get the job done or did not do enough to move the needle when Edmonton's top guys were flying. Clearly Edmonton wanted and valued those two points more than, than the Leafs, and they had Eckholm and their guy, Eckholm looked great, I thought he was yeah. he was really solid in that game, so... Um, He was the new guy who popped the most last night, so we'll see if that continues on. It's just one game. They only had one practice, uh, the two new guys. Um, And I actually thought Lafferty looked pretty good on that third line with O'Reilly in the third period. There seemed to be something there, Sparks, so We'll see, we'll see how they end up starting the, the game tonight in, in Calgary.
1: Yeah, I think, I think I'd like to see a little bit of a shakeup. Like, I, I'm with you. They yeah. only had a couple of shifts together, but I thought they looked like there could be some makings of something. And we've expected that at some point we're going to see Ryan O'Reilly as a 3C and shift of ours back in. Like, maybe tonight's the time to do that after, after a bad night last night. Just a, a way to shake things up and get a response from the group.
2: Yeah, and I asked Sheldon Keith, you know, how much do you take from the third period? Because I actually thought there were some positives there. And he's like, well, yeah, that's garbage time. And if we didn't start playing well, it was going to be 10 goals again. <laughs> honestly, it could have been seven, right, with the the calls that went to Leafs' way last, yeah. last night with that quick whistle. And then, then the uh, you know, that was interference by McDavid, but still the puck goes in. Um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, so I'd like to see him do that, honestly, and, you know, see what Ryan O'Reilly can do uh, in the third-line role there. It still doesn't feel... Complete though the, the four group in that scenario it just doesn't feel like that 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 line is going to be able to do enough uh, with O'Reilly there, and I mean Lafferty does have, but you feel like Lafferty's better suited for the fourth line uh, in that situation. Kerfoot, I guess, but I don't know. It'll be intriguing. Yeah, I'd like to see it. That's what we want to see down the stretch here. So a little bit more experimentation. Uh, another you know kind of flag goes up when Sheldon Keefe is asked about experimenting in the bottom six down the stretch yesterday before the game and says yeah, you know, O'Reilly, third-line center, but let's see where we're at with the final group after the deadline. So clearly mm-hmm. he's, you know, mm-hmm. thinking that this things might not be done. He might have another forward to, to plug in there. So, yeah, I, I do wonder about that because it just doesn't, that forward group, I don't know, it just feels like maybe they're a guy short right now.
0: Interesting.
1: W- yeah, with Mark Masters, TSN Leafs reporter, uh, Leafs and – Flames tonight, it'll be on TSN 1050, also on TSN 4. 34 might be the guy who I circle, who to me was fairly invisible last night as someone Mm -hmm. who uh, should have a response game tonight. What about you?
2: Yeah, I've been waiting kind of all season for him to kind of explode a bit, right? And he's had flashes, and he's played well, and he's been fine, certainly defensively, he's never cheated this team. but playing McDavid, the guy who's, you know, going to just throw him as the Rocket Richard winner and Hart Trophy winner, you would have thought maybe there'd be you know, there would be something there. We're always circling those two guys when they play and yeah. it wasn't there. And We'll see. You know, when they need a response you need your best players to step up. He's a leader on the team uh, and you would expect him to have a big game in Calgary for sure. Um, but it's been a weird season, let's be honest, for, for Austin Matthews. Um, he just hasn't been able to build that offensive momentum. All year, the defensive momentum fine has been there, but offensively he hasn't been able to get on a roll. And we're running out of racetrack here. And, all, and William Nealander's gone to a new level, and Mitch Marner is Mitch Marner, and John Tavares has added a step. But Matthews is the guy in the core four who I just you know hasn't hasn't really seemed to get going this season. And there's been injuries and there's been stuff, but we're all waiting for that, and perhaps it's going to come down the stretch here, and he'll kind of lead the charge in the playoffs. But. He's a guy that I'm circling every every game now, it feels like, because that's a pretty important storyline going into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They can do whatever they want in the bottom six, but unless that guy can play the way he did last season, I'm not too sure how successful this postseason will be. So they got to get him going, absolutely. appreciate the time, as always, Mark. Uh, we'll uh, catch you on the broadcast tonight. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. There he goes. Mark Masters, TSN least Reporter. Um. Yeah, Matthews like invisible last night. Yeah. And uh, Mike Johnson was actually on the morning show today. Could we play that? 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 Okay. So Mike Johnson was on the morning show today, and they were talking about Austin Matthews and how he's really struggled to find offense, and he struggled to score this year. Very uncharacteristically, after especially after the season that he had. Like he set such a high bar last year, and this year it just hasn't. It's not even that the production isn't there, but he also doesn't look the same. And here's what Mike Johnson had to say as to why maybe uh, that is.
4: I can work through the, the injuries and the, the lineup and uh, shooting percentage and the power play it looks and everything else. The biggest concern for me is when I, I, I don't see him kind of separating to create chances with the same volume that he was. Like, Austin's not like, I don't know, Connor McDavid skater, but he's a very good skater. Right, like he's powerful and he gets to the spots he needs to get to and he gets open in those spots. And this year it felt it feels like he's not getting as open. You know what I mean? He's having having trouble creating that separation for his chances. That to me is concerning. I don't know if that's health, I don't know what that is, but that's what it looks like to me, even as good as he is, like he needs a little space to create. That is concerning because they need him to be not just good. They need him to be great.
0: And that that kind of mic drop moment from MJ kind of scares me AB because I don't know does he just magically in the playoffs become the Austin Matthews that we became used to last year does because I just don't know if I see that like it's just going to happen magically I, well, at the time when the hockey's attack cuz here's the thing about Austin Matthews has this been has so last night against Edmonton, Edmonton was so good. Edmonton was—they had an amazing game last night. I said that they off were the top aggressive, of the show. for they every were bit. Suffocating. Yeah, yeah, for every bit that Toronto was off last night, Edmonton had a very on game. Yeah. Like that was as good of a game as as they'll play generally. They looked awesome last night. When teams play like that, like Austin Matthews r- last year ripped it up against most teams but in the regular season and then sometimes when a team is pushing really hard or maybe most of the time when a team is pushing really hard the other way it becomes difficult obviously becomes difficult to push through and I find that like Connor McDavid pushes through in those moments he dragged his team to the Western Conference final last year just just pushing through when games are tight when games are tight I don't often find that he Pushes through and is able to make space to, to MJ's point.
1: Yeah, so for me, like when when you say like, do you feel like it's going to magically happen? I don't think it's gonna. It's not going to be magical. Like the the player is in there. He has the skill set to do it. I think it is between the years. It is kind of a, a mentality in a way, right? Like that killer, killer instinct often is not there when they need it to be. And that has been an issue throughout his entire career in the playoffs. Like yeah. that, that was the buzz term a couple of years ago, right? He has yet to go legend and he's yet to put the team on his back when it matters most in the postseason, right? He's done that in the regular season. Like last year, he did it all the time, right? He had the best yeah. goal scoring season in a decade, the issue that I find, and to go back to MJ's point, where he's having, it doesn't look like he's separating enough. What I find and what I'm looking at, and the big difference from what I'm seeing from last year and this year, is, yes, that separation, because it feels like he's more stagnant. Like, when he's in the offensive end, it doesn't feel, like last year, he was kind of weaving through traffic, trying to find open ice. I don't find he's doing that as often. His feet aren't moving as as quickly. He's not getting finding that open ice for himself. He's not creating that open ice for himself. He's staying stagnant and hoping that Mitch can get him the puck. And everyone knows that. So they're just defending him that way. Like, whether you can call it, you know, defenders are cheating. But when Mitch Marner's not shooting, and you know that the puck's going to end up on Austin Matthews stick at some point, you kind of can cheat. Right, and yeah. th- so they're defending him in that way, and he's not doing enough to move his feet to get away from it to create his own ice. That is what I am seeing. To go to MJ's point, so I think that is true. So in order for him to get back to what he's doing, I think it just is as simple as finding that separation and finding that open ice. And by doing that, or and to do that, just move your feet, buds. Yeah, let's what? get the boots going.
0: I, I know it, it, it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint, but like when he's. You just know that it's not the same oomph that it was last year. It's hard to pinpoint any one thing, but you're right. It doesn't feel like he's moving as much. Uh, what year did the the Caps win the Cup? My laptop died, so that's why I've been, like, scrounging oh, no. <laughs> around on the <lead> prospects <laughs> on my phone. Um, was it 17-18? Uh, it was 17 18, So that year, um, that's what I thought it was, too. 49 goals for Ovi that year. So... I was going to see if maybe Ovi had this a uh, great defensive season of the year they won the cup. but That's not the case, so not a point I can make here, unfortunately. <laughs> not a point I can make in Austin Matthews' favor.
1: No, and I mean I think MJ's he's he's done so much to dispel the Ovi got better defensively argument. Like, yeah. He, so he, he doesn't buy that buy that either. Like I don't know. At the end of the day, the, the Leafs. I think Kyle Dubas has has done what he has done. He has given this team the best chance to succeed if everyone plays up to their potential. Yeah. What we saw last night was that not that was not that team playing up to their potential. Doesn't mean that they can't figure it out, right? Like,
0: I, oh no, to, totally, it was to, tough. Yeah, last night would have been weird. There's, Craig mentioned I, I know that Edmonton had a new player in. Yep. They lost Tyson Berry. I would have been emotional, but no. there's something to be said about losing a couple guys that have been part of the core for a while. Yep. Uh, Dylan Larkin was speaking this morning about his contract ex- in- extension, and, and he was near tears talking about. You know who I missed Bertuzzi. last night, though. Who? Pierre Engvall? Yeah, I bet you did. You know where? In be- uh, last night what when were you were <laughs> last night when you were laying in bed thinking about Pierre Ball, your favorite guy.
1: Um, but like, legitimately getting the puck out of the zone. Yeah, that's his. That that was the lone skill set, and like, that's where everybody who was in the Pierre Ball fan club, all of my cronies, they look at that analytic, they look at that stat and say, "Look, there's nobody better on that team that skates the puck out of the zone. The zone exits were elite, pristine. What he did with the puck once he." You know, got out of the zone and got into the offensive end. Whatever, you can make an argument yeah. that he didn't do much with it. But last night, they could not get through the neutral zone.
0: The and, and, and the entries were both tough last awful, night. Awful,
1: awful. I think it was like 60 something percent. It's usually wow. 80%. Down 20%. Again, one game. I, I, I'm not at all saying that, like, Engvall is the problem. <laughs> Trading away Engvall is now a problem. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That that was a thing that he good was good guy. at, and that was something that they struggled with last night. And that was getting the puck out of the zone.
0: Say it, my guy.
1: And that was my guy. There we go. All right, another one of my guys, Julie McKenzie, yeah. out in Edmonton. He'll join us on the other side. Flames reporter for the Athletic. We'll Continue to tee up tonight's game. Leafs Flames on TSN 1050. Also on TSN four. Got a four p.m. or nine p.m. puck drop tonight. I'm Mike DeStefano with Julian to Leafs lunch here on TSN 1050.
0: Back. Leafs lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia Teixeira and Mike DiStefano. We'll be joined by Julian McKenzie, Flames reporter for The Athletic, in the next couple of minutes here. The Leafs-Flames showdown tonight, second half of a back-to-back for the Leafs. You can listen to that right here on TSN 1050. Watch it on TSN 4. 9 o'clock start. I like it, AB. Not, it. not, not. 10 is too far. 8, 9. Not bad. Gives you time to get a lot done in the night. Uh, And now that I've broken down the appropriate time to start hockey games, let's bring in our (laughs) Flames reporter for The Athletic, Julian McKenzie. How's it going, Julian?
3: Going good. Good to hear your voice, Julian. Good to hear from you as well. Al's brother. Thank you very much.
0: How's Calgary today? What's the energy like? Um, (laughs) What's the energy like specifically if your name is is Jacob Markstrom? He gets the start tonight. Daryl Sutter very clearly said their save percentage is not as high as it needs to be. Uh, To your point, to your tweet, like no pressure on Markstrom, eh?
3: Yeah, and plus yesterday, too, uh, when we were talking to Daryl Sander, he had mentioned the fact that, you know, they need him to get hot, and when you look at how this team has played over the last, how many months of this season, there's been a lot of starting and, and stopping, essentially, I think it's only happened twice this year, where the, uh, the Flames have had a winning streak that has gone more than two games, they've had like two, three-game winning streaks, so they haven't really had a moment where they've really like caught fire and won like four, five, six in a row, and one big key for that is for for Jacob Marstrom to, to pick up his play. But it's just for the last little while, just for whatever reason, it just hasn't necessarily clicked for him. We're, one talking point that's come up a lot is the fact that he, he seems to allow a lot of the first or second shots of games uh, right past him. And this is a team that finds a way to limit chances. I think had uh, mentioned yesterday that I think they allow the second-fewest shots. Off. I'll have to check if that has updated since. But like that's a team night in, night out that you're not going to get a lot of chances up on them, but for whatever reason, guys like Jacob Markstrom and even Dan Vladar, to a certain extent, it seems as if they still allow a lot of goals, even though they don't see a lot of puck coming their way. So for a guy like Jacob Markstrom, we all know about the Vincent caliber season he had last year. We all know about how much money he's making. This team really needs him to get going, and I felt like yesterday was pretty much a vote of confidence uh, for, for for Jacob Markstrom in order for him to get himself going.
1: Yeah, like I was watching that game the other night when they played Boston and they they outshot them by, like, 40, 40 shots. They outplayed them, and Jacob Markstrom, if they would have got just one more save, they would have been able to win that game, and I feel like that's been a common occurrence over the last couple of weeks, and for a team that's in a playoff run, I mean, that's got to be incredibly frustrating from your standpoint, as someone who wants to probably cover a playoff team and also within the fan base.
3: i got to say, from a selfish standpoint, yeah, I can imagine that, but it's not about me. I, I imagine for the players, too, uh, you know, they obviously, they believe in their guys. I can make that clear. I don't think I've heard from any of those guys at any point this year where they don't believe in Markstrom or LeBarr. I remember earlier in the year when uh, we were asking about Markstrom and, and his play, Dylan Dubé kind of, you know, went to us and said, you know, this idea of this discussion about the goaltending being an issue is a bit of a tired issue. Now, obviously, it's kind of more on the spotlight more than ever. Uh, but I, I, I feel as if, if you, if you go through the guys, they always like to say that they play for each other, they're a good group in there. I, I, I have to imagine that uh, to a certain extent, you know, they obviously don't like seeing what's going on with the goaltending, but it seems as if like they, they like their guys, they like those two guys especially, and those two like each other, Marshall McLeaner, I mean. So it's a tough, it's a random situation, but I, I, I don't get the sense that they're, so frustrated that they're you know, like, ah, like we can't stand these guys. They know they also need to be better, too. It's not as if the Flames are scoring four, or five, six goals at a time. And a lot of these games uh, where, where Markstrom and Valdar aren't at their best.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. They clearly need a save here and there, but haven't been scoring at a crazy rate either. Huberto's a guy that takes a lot of heat for it. Um, there was a lot of drama a couple weeks ago with his agent tweeting. How's Huberto settling in the past couple weeks?
3: I feel as if just with the way that he's been playing here, he knows for sure he has yet to make a significant impact on the team. And and I have to wonder if his confidence has taken a significant hit. I I know after uh, the Boston game, I don't know if you guys saw, but in overtime there was a stretch where Rolinus Allmark is in net and he loses a stick, and the stick is in the corner of the ice. And, and, And Huberto and another player are coming up the ice and Huberto opts to make that pass to, to a teammate, which I get he's an elite passer, so I don't blame him for trying to do that, but that play gets picked off, and the Bruins go the other way. When we had asked Huberto about what he saw on that play, he said he didn't even see that Omar didn't have a stick. Um, I feel as if for, for Huberto right now, just what he's trying to play through, I don't necessarily think he's at his 100% when it comes to confidence, and I think that stems from how the year has gone and the adjustments and everything, and maybe there's still some... Lingering hurt feelings from how everything ended up from was from Florida and, and Calgary, all right? Like, like that's that's it's a bit of a tough situation for 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 Huberdeau right now, I think, and I, I think he'd be the first to tell you that he's not playing at his best, and it, it's a bit, a bit of a letdown, unfortunately, for him. That being said, like he's, you know, the fact that he's been able to take a guy like Jacques Pelc under his wing, I think that's helped him a lot, and I think they seem as if they want to stick with Huberdeau and cadre right now, but I, I think a lot of people definitely. And I'm sure himself too would feel that, like you know, he has not played at the level a lot of people expected him to play at.
1: That kid's spunky, Jacob Peltier. Yeah, I, I I like I like the the vibe that he, he gives off, and I feel like he actually like I've watched a few of the the Flames games in the last couple of weeks here, and it does actually seem like him and him and Huberto have have somewhat formed a bit of a bond here, and you've maybe seen a little bit of an uptick in play.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's a natural thing too. Like you're if you're a young guy. And you go into a locker room, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to learn the lay of the land. And I think it's, it's pretty natural, like everybody, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where you can make some kind of obvious connection, uh, you do it. Like when, when, when calce came up to the team, like the first thing I think I thought of, uh, it's just, okay, is Huberdo, who has been in this league for a long time and is also a Quebecer, he's going to take him under his wing. And I remember, I think before, uh, one of their road trips, I think, when they are going through St. Louis and Dallas, I think Huberto had told me that, you know, hey, maybe if we're just taking them out for dinner or something like that. I think it's just a natural connection to have two guys, uh, one at the beginning of his career, one still in the middle of his career, both from the same province. It makes perfect sense uh, that those two guys would connect. And it seems as if, like, you know, they're connecting on the ice, too. I'm still laughing at, in that Bruins game, uh, there's, there's a play they tried to connect on, and, and Huberto tries to make this pass to, to Pelsey, and I think it goes off a of Bruins player, and it goes in the net, and you see Pelletier is pointing at Huberto. I should have conferred for myself, but I'm still convinced that that's Pelletier pointing at Huberto being like, "New no, dude, that's your goal." But everyone's seen the video of them on the bench, and, yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're kind of, you know, not pulling. Like they're 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 being, they're being buddies. Uh, there's an obvious connection between those two guys, and I think if anything, if is not going to be able to produce at that same rate that he was producing at last year, I think the fact that he's able to help along uh, a piece of the Flames' future, that's still a pretty positive contribution on his part.
0: Yeah, a little budding bromance. Every good team needs one, so nice that the Flames have the French connection there. Uh, With Julian McKenzie right now out of Calgary, team up the Leafs' Flames game tonight. The Leafs lost last night to Edmonton. The Flames on a three-game slide of their own. How much desperation uh, do you expect to see out of the Flames tonight, Julian?
3: I, I expect to see a lot of desperation from this team, and I think Over this last stretch of games where they, yeah, they had the Arizona game, but they were in Vegas, Colorado, and then you have Boston uh, earlier this week, and now you have the Leafs. So if you take those four games and exclude Arizona, those are some high-quality teams we expect to see in the playoffs. And really, if it wasn't for goaltending, they at least hang out in each of those games. So I think if they, when they go into Toronto, I think they'll go into confidence knowing that, hey, they've found ways to hang around in those first few games. They just need their goaltending be a little bit better, but they also need their offense to, to contribute as well. And, and I know we kind of touched up on that in the first few questions that we were talking about today, but I, I, I expect some desperation considering the fact that there's still how many points out of a playoff spot. But I think they still well I think that there are some players who might be, you know, dipping a little bit in terms of confidence, I think there are some guys who still really believe you know, they can make a run out of this. Daryl Sutter, for whatever reason, keeps saying that, uh, he they believes they're, they're going to on some kind of 21 game win streak. I know he's saying it a bit in chat, I like it. but like, but I, I get it. He said 22 when we were on the road with him last week and he's saying, you know, I might be serious, but you know, hey, maybe 21 game winning streak. And I think you need some kind of belief like that in order to keep your spirits up and, 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 and believe your team. And again, like I mentioned before, this team has not had like a hot winning streak at any point. and. You know what, sometimes you, know, you worry about if the team gets hot too soon. This is a pretty ideal situation for, for the Flames to at least start warming up. If they keep themselves in a position where they're around a playoff spot and then they heat up at the right time, just as other teams like Seattle are starting to take steps back, that could work in their benefit.
1: Absolutely. And like you mentioned about how he keeps saying this team's good. like the, the the process is there. Like I'm just looking now in terms of expected goal differential. They're second in the league. So, like, the process is there. Eventually, you got to hope that they get those results. But, again, it's probably going to come down to whether or not Jacob Markstrom makes a, a save or two. Open for a dad do bump.
0: Uh, do you believe in a dad bump, Julian? Yeah, the
1: old Freddie Van Vliet dad bump. Maybe maybe we can get that out of Markstrom.
3: Well, it's got to happen today. It's got to happen against the Toronto Maple Leafs in whatever games that they put him in. But I, I know I made the point the other day, and uh, Daryl Sutter again reiterated it yesterday, but, like, this is the stretch where they need Jacob Markstrom to play really well, and I'm sure they'll still put in Dan Vladar and make sure that Markstrom can be as fresh as they can if they make the playoffs. But this is where Jacob Markstrom has to show that he is worth the money he's being paid and all of that hype that was being pushed on him because of his performance from last year.
0: Yeah, again, no pressure, but it's a really pivotal night for Jacob Markstrom in a pivotal time around the NHL. We're, what, 25? ish hours away from eh, I guess 26 hours yeah. away from the NHL trade deadline. I'm just seeing uh, David Pagnano come across my Twitter timeline saying lots of smoke around the flames last couple days. Calgary weighing multiple options. Uh, do you have, it's hard to tell right now with Cal- Calgary kind of in such a hinged position, but how do you see them approaching the trade deadline?
3: It's really hard to tell, to be honest with you, just especially with a lot of that noise. Uh, my My thing is, it's just Like, if it were up to me, like, I think with all of the commitments you made in the offseason, you know, it's hard for for people to say, like, oh, man, you know, this team should sell off its assets and just start again. It's like you kind of got married to the pieces you got married to. So you kind of have to go for it. I guess you could do some kind of retool where if you realize that some of your players might be worth a few assets and you do take that step back, you know, maybe it is worth looking into if you're able to get something like that, considering what the prices have been over the last little while. But maybe at the deadline, some of those prices come down, and maybe you're not going to get that value that you want. At the same time, with a lot of those big fish that are off the board already, I mean, not to say that the Flames are necessarily going to be in on a guy like Patrick Kane, but there isn't really anyone out there who, like if the Flames get, like you think, okay, that's going to put them over the top and make them be this fide Stanley like Cup contender. That being said, I still think if they kick tires on a few guys... Um, I know I was talking with, uh, with a uh, someone with the Flyers the other day, and they were saying that they didn't fly at some point on James Van Riemsdyk, but uh, it hasn't really been more than that. But I still think if they make some kind of move, it could still at least kind of uplift some spirits in the locker room, but I can't see them making like a big splash that sees like a roster player going the other way or some kind of high draft pick going the other way too. I think the fact that they don't have a third and Mr. draft is a bit hurtful for them just because of the fact that like, you know, some pieces we've seen move. You can flip a third in this year's draft and that'll help, but I think because they don't have a third this year, that might hurt if they want to get a guy like a James Van Reams. Because like, other teams might have and that might help them get it. So it's a bit of a mystery right now at the Flames. I, I don't think they'll be completely quiet. I think they'll. They, I mean, obviously they need to figure out what they're doing. It's either going to be like a small acquisition, I think, or maybe you know they they take that step back and say, okay, we can get like a pretty good deal for this player. Let's sell them on. I can't see them doing any big wholesale change tomorrow.
1: A little JVR Cadre reunion out in, uh, in Calgary. Potentially, that'd be, you know, that'd be a nice intrigue. I, I, I've heard. I've heard. I've been told <laughs> that they once upon a time did play My together heart. a little bit. So we'll see what happens. Uh, before we let you go, i got to get your thoughts on uh, I went on a little rant earlier today. I'm not. It was sure.
0: epic, honestly, Julian. I- I'm not sure
1: if you saw what's going on out in uh, out in Arizona, but with them acquiring the Jacob Voracek contract, essentially to what in my opinion is definitely cap circumvention convention to reach the floor. Uh, but that's a story for another day. But I came on these radio waves and I said pretty abrasively that I believe that Connor Bedard should end up in Arizona just so that it looks bad on Gary Bettman you sign off
3: on that rant? No, I I don't like the <laughs> idea of Connor Bedard being an Arizona Coyote. I just I would be so cool to see him in some other market where at least if they are in the pits, they're at least trying to uplift themselves. And be good. Like if he ended up in Anaheim, right? Yeah. Like you have Connor Bedard and Trevor Zegras and Troy Terry. But that's good you for the league. That's, a, that you might have easily, like, the, maybe not easily, but, like, you have one of the most exciting young cores yeah. if, it, if it happens in Anaheim. Even if he ends up in Chicago, um, like, that's not as bad. Okay, like, hey, fine, they've been tanking, but they're not money laundering. I mean, maybe money laundering's a, a strong phrase <laughs> to say, <laughs> but, like, that's the joke that's been used with the Arizona Coyotes and the fact that they've been taking in salary. To be clear, I'm not saying they're money laundering. Please don't come <laughs> after me. But, yeah, like, the FBI will be all like- over. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want that. I just no. think like it'd be cool to see it at another place. My one thing with the Arizona Coyotes is this. You're taking on all these salaries. I think it was um I think it was Adam Herman who does stuff for the on the Rangers, who was saying that like almost sixty percent of their like their allotted salaries are for players who don't who are not gonna be playing for the franchise. It's ludicrous. Like at what po- like like, at what point does that turn into you actually trying to do something Julie like how long is this going to take? Is it it's well, two years? is this three years is this like like what like what's the plan like i I would like to know like what is this actually going to lead to? Is it just gonna be Clayton Keller playing in in mullet arena in front of five thousand people? That's a novelty in itself, and it's not that I mean like that's a whole other thing itself, but like is that is that really what it's going to be like i I really would like to see like when they're actually going to be competitive. You know, like, it's good that all people need there and you're coaching all those young guys, but, like, I don't know. Like, I'd like to see them actually, like, try at some point or at least get an idea of, like, when that's going to happen.
1: Can I, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework, okay? So, okay. what are you and CJ doing your next show? Today tomorrow?
3: So, we're dropping an episode today and we're doing a bonus podcast on Saturday.
1: Perfect. I want you to ask CJ a question. When you okay. look at that and you see 60% of their roster and their cap is for players that are not playing with this team. How has the NHLPA not filed a grievance against that? That's just absolutely ridiculous. And is that something that maybe they could look into? I'm curious okay. to see what to the have to say on that. Yes, that's I'm the mailbag. That to, that's okay, the mailbag question. It's from to, Al's brother.
3: Yeah, I, cause I, I believe we're taking in questions for Saturday. We're also taking questions in for Monday. I will add that to the Saturday mailbag. So please listen to the Saturday show. And we'll make sure uh, that question gets answered.
1: Absolutely, the Chris Johnson Show with terrific host Julia McKenzie, who's uh, had a great hit with us tonight and uh, or this afternoon rather. And uh, enjoy the game deep,
0: he played.
1: Bucks <laughs> and deep, <laughs> Rolled four, four lines. check, four check, back check, paycheck, bro. That's what it's all about. And That's what Julia yes, McKenzie's sir. all about. All right, pal. Good chatting with you as always. We'll uh, we'll chat again and uh, enjoy the game tonight. All
3: right. Talk to you guys soon. Peace.
1: There he goes, Julia McKenzie, Flames reporter for the Athletic. Once again, Leafs and Flames tonight. Toronto looking to uh, looking to get back at it after a, a pretty tough loss last night. A chance to get back, uh, you know, show them that they are thankful for what Kyle Dubas did, not whatever we saw last night.
0: Don't be greedy, little. Put it to the side. Put Little players. That's right.
1: <laughs> go forward and let's uh, let's get it, a nice tidy dub and go into Vancouver on a winning note. Um, on the other side, we'll continue to kind of tee up tonight's game. A trade. We got some puck picks and we got a trade to announce in the National Hockey League. So we'll get to that all next. I'm Mike DiStefano with Juliet Tacharios and the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.
3: This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. It's time for Puck Picks with Professor Al's Brother. Back to school. Back to school. Jackpot.
0: Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards, available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Al's Brother's Puck Picks coming to you in a moment. Sounds like Jonathan Quick has been flipped, as was foreshadowed by Chris Johnston yesterday on our show headed to Vegas Um, interesting move in my opinion they
1: need a goalie yeah. Like, I mean, Logan Thompson, you don't know what he's all about. Aiden Hill, you don't know what he's all about. Is, there's is some injuries. Yeah, yeah, like yeah there's it's injuries more of an there. injury issue, right? So you, you roll the dice on John Quick. Like, that's kind of, they've rolled the dice on a lot of guys. And they've kind of been big roll swingers. the dice, Vegas. So, okay. exactly, right? You I know, So we'll see how that uh, shakes out. But as for tonight, I got three plays that I like for Leafs and Flames. Again, it's here on TSN 1050 at 9 p.m., also on TSN 4. And uh, actually, James Duffy and the boys, they'll be they got a little tank a tankathon song, I guess, that'll be debuting tonight yeah. in the in first intermission. So that'll be must-watch on TSN4 as well. Um, but as for the game tonight, I, I actually expect a, a pretty high-scoring affair. Okay. I do. I think you. You got Markstrom who has not been great. You've got Joe Wall coming into the game. They've got two teams who've played who are coming in probably a little pissed off and want to get the win. I think that that could spark uh, a pretty high scoring game. So I like the over on the total tonight of six and a half goals. I like over on Leafs to score uh, three and a half plus goals. Markstrom's allowed four plus in five of his last eight starts. Yeah. So I think the Leafs could fill the net. And then there's a boost out there. The boost it failed us yesterday on Fanduel. But let's hope that it uh, works tonight. Nylander to score a goal, and Austin Matthews to record four plus shots, boosted to 450. So four and a half to mm-hmm. one. Ten bucks pays you $45. You can make all those wagers over on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.
0: I like them all, AB.
1: The shoe was on the other foot here for a second. As we were coming in, I saw to the corner of my eye something in my booth. And it was Brian Hayes sitting in my spot Whoa. and was looking directly at me the same way that I've done to him for years when he's sitting in your chair right there. And I was looking, and he gave me the eyes, and I reciprocated with similar eyes, and he basically was saying, how does it feel? How do you like it?
0: Was it the Brian Hayes like, gaze into the camera? It was, was the Brian was Hayes gaze.
1: It? it was. It oh, was very much. He was wow. looking at me saying, how do you like it, pal? Just people staring at you as you try to do your work, <laughs> and uh, so I didn't think
0: other people were allowed in that little room. Oh my God, he's peeking around the corner now. See there he is.
1: See, <laughs> Easy yeah. B. That's what he's all about. That guy. I'm sure he'll have a a, a lot to say after what he went down last night. Uh, last night in in the Oiler game. Again, not overreacting about the night, but we are reacting to the performance. And as was so eloquently put, actually, by the coach Sheldon Keith. Just flat out, uh, it was unintelligent and, and, and uninspired play. Purposeless. Purposeless was the word <laughs> that he used. So, uh, But tonight's a chance to, to rewrite it. Tonight's a chance yep. to get back at it, get back in the wind column, get back in the good graciousness of us here on Leafs Lunch, and we'll come back and chat about it tomorrow at noon. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, the art radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matty Coz, coming up next.